we're recording. Cool. Yeah, I know. It is cool. Hi. Hi. How's it going? Fantastico. How are you? Fantastico. I'm pretty good too. Hey, I have a question for you. What's the best birthday gift you've ever got? Doesn't matter who it's from. What is the absolute best birthday gift you ever received? You know, in recent years, my favorite birthday gift was the t-shirt. So in our office, as you know, and I'll explain to our listeners because you already know the story. I do. I got this t-shirt that says, we give a fuck. And it's got my face on it. It's classic because we say that at the office all the time. Exactly. And we say that at the office is what sets us apart is that we give a fuck. Mm -hmm. And I I love that t-shirt and I wear it all the time. Nice. That is a great birthday gift. So a buddy of mine last year got what I think is the greatest gift of all time. So a few weeks before, I was kind of poking fun at him because he was 47 turning 48. At least that's what I thought. And he corrected me and said, no, no, I'm 48 turning 49, which clearly I'm a terrible friend because I don't know his age. So anyways, I guess he's 48 turning 49. Again, bad friend. But uh, so cuts to his birthday and he starts opening up the gifts. He's got all the kids around. He has five kids, which is uh, that's great for birthdays and Christmas. You get lots of presents. Um, And so anyways, he opens up the cards from the, the kids and stuff and they all made him nice cards. But they all say happy 48th birthday. And he's like, ah, do I tell them? Like, I kind of feel bad that. And but at the same time, I'm sure he felt crappy that they didn't know how old he was turning. So he's like, I'm going to tell them. So he says, guys, thanks for the gifts. I really appreciate it. But you guys all wrote happy 48th birthday. I'm actually 49 today. And the kids and everyone's like, no, no, you're 48. You're 48. And he's like, no, I'm 49. I know when I was born. So he opens his phone, turns on the calculator, says, watch, I'll show you the math. And he does the math and then realizes he turned 48 that day. (laughs) That's what the kids all make the joke that he actually got a gift of another year, which as a friend made me feel better because I clearly knew how old he was, which kind of makes up for the past because I forgot his birthday once and I've yet to live it down. So I think that kind of makes up for it, that I actually knew how old he was and when he didn't. Uh, But yeah, best birthday gift of all time. How do you make that mistake? <laughs> I wonder the same thing. I guess when you have five kids, you don't have time to think, really. He's on drugs. <laughs> or he's on drugs. <laughs> oh, man. I hope I get that gift of another year when I'm 49. Or maybe I'll just think I'm 49, but really, I'm 48. All right. Welcome to Taming the Hustle. Or something of the sorts. talk about today i want to talk about the question you always bring up oh i bet you i can guess this one i i can guess this hold on let me think about it because i if i always bring it up what do i always bring up how to get my wife to have more sex no yeah yeah you bring that up a lot oh that that's not what we're talking about no okay 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 go ahead No, you're always bringing up this uh well how am i doing you know compared to other people my age oh yeah fuck i'm obsessed with that you are i am and i just feel like when i when I see others and they're talking about their retirement plan or they're buying a boat or they're buying a second home or whatever it is, I think to myself, I'm the same age. How come I'm not at that stage or am I at that stage? Like I'm just so, that's why I come to you. 
You're, you're not only my financial planner, you're my psychologist. Well, the answer is it's all relative. So for example, say someone that's accustomed to living off of 10 or $12,000 a month, yeah. they're going to need a boatload more money compared to someone who's been working minimum wage most of their career, right? So if you're earning you know, $2,500 or $3,000 a month, you don't need nearly as much savings as you would if you need to replace ten, twelve thousand dollars a month. Well, exactly. So that's the first thing. The second thing too is is it's relative because it all depends on what your objectives are, right? Yeah. So if your objective is to buy a boat, then you figure out a way to buy that boat. Yeah. But that might affect your ability to retire at sixty, and it may take you to sixty-one or sixty-two. Yeah. So it depends on what your goals are. And it also depends on what type of lifestyle you lead. Like I know for sure when I retire, it's going to cost me more to live. My yeah. lifestyle will be more expensive than it is now because I work all the time. Mm-hmm. I live with very little. We're minimalists oh by, my God, you are. by nature. It's crazy. I wish I had that. And I love it. But I do have the intention of traveling a lot once I do have this extra time. So, uh, you know, my health willing. Once I retire, my cash flow requirements are going to be superior to what my cash flow requirements are now. That makes sense. Let's say, for example, you have a million dollars in investments and you just turned 60. So over and above your CPP, your old age security and potential uh, and potential pension plans, depending on what you did for a career, that million bucks, let's say it earned like 5% growth. And you had a 2% inflation that you factored in there. And let's assume you're going to die at like age 85. So you get 25 years of retirement. Yeah. Well, that investment would generate about $4,700, $4,800 a month okay. in revenue, right? With a 2% inflation. If you had the ability, so going back to 2009 when the TFSAs were established, so this newer generation, so let's yeah. say the millennials are in this position where they could easily accumulate a million dollars in their TFSA, which means that that forty-seven or forty-eight hundred dollars a month would be tax-free. Ah, right. So now you have now you're talking my language. Well, now you have with your CPP and old age security, you're probably looking at you know closer to six thousand dollars a month. Yeah, yeah. But if you're accustomed to living off twelve thousand a month, it's like the toothpaste yeah, syndrome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't put it back in the tube. I don't see anyone driving a caddy that end up driving a Pinto in retirement. Yeah, It's yeah. really hard to put it back in the tube. Yeah, for sure. So there is no answer, Daryl. It's all relative. So it totally depends on what your lifestyle is now, what you anticipate it to be at some point in the future, and what your immediate financial goals are and what your long-term goals are. So if your buddy next door has this big-ass boat, mm-hmm. well, don't be jealous of him because you may have three times in investments that he yeah, has. Yeah, yeah right? Or the value of the boat and investments instead of having the boat. So it's just all relative. Yeah. I think for me, it's the invention of the internet has really screwed my head. And I go on Google. I know we've talked about this and you've told me it's dangerous to do where I go on and I go on an RRSP calculator and I put in my age today. I put in what I have and I put all the things and I click calculate. And then I see what I'm going to retire with just in the RRSP thing. And then I see what this basic calculator does. And then once it gives me that number, I shit my fucking pants because I'm like, oh my God, I can't retire with that little. And then I call you like my house is on fire and I'm panicking. It's not. not, I'm panicking. And then you you talk me off the ledge and you're like, hey, okay, calm down. Here comes your anxiety. Yeah. And am am I, (laughs) because my anxiety, it's so true. Uh, Am I alone on that? Do you have clients who come in and see you and say, hey, I was doing a calculation online and I feel like I'm not going to be able to retire. 
and, you know, I'm freaking out or am I just an anomaly? Mm, No, I wouldn't say you're an anomaly. That's what a comprehensive financial plan is for. So once we design a plan, we either justify the client's panic because they are short or we give them peace of mind that they're going to be okay. And if they're short, we then come up with recommendations on how to make up that shortfall. Sometimes it's too difficult for the client to make the change because if they're accustomed to a certain lifestyle, not everyone's willing to make those compromises or make those, those sacrifices. So we either tell them you're fucked, right? Or you're going to have to work forever because I I've had to tell people, listen, you're, you're going to work forever. You cannot retire. Crazy. eh? You have a hundred thousand in investments, but you make 140 a year and you're 58. Like how the fuck are you going to replace that? Well, and that's the thing when you get to that age, you're already set in your ways. So it's not like when you're in your twenties and you're still trying to figure shit out and you can tweak what you are doing with your life when you're 58 years old and you start to tweak, it starts to get emotional on you and it's all this well, shit. It's too late by then. Well, exactly. Right? It just we, piles on and it's too late. If we have young listeners today, hopefully they're not too young because we're F bombing every two minutes. I know. But if we have young adults listening in, my suggestion is see someone right away and start planning because of the compounding growth of your investment will make things so much easier for you in the long run than trying to play catch up. Mm-hmm. And that's a good question. Uh, you, well, it's a good question that I'm going to ask you, but you kind of brought it up is that when you say, if you're young, you should start talking to us now. I know lots of young people like, you know, I worked in hockey with the 20 year olds and stuff like that. And we've talked about saving for a rainy day, making this happen because, you know, what if you don't go pro what or whatnot? And they always say, well, I'm, it's too early for me to go to a financial planner. And like, what, what age is too early? Uh, there is no too early age. Yeah. Like I, I kind of set you up for that. Like me, my daughter, she's not even a teenager yet. And we have shit set up with you for her. And so, and she's right into it. She likes to know that she has an education savings plan and all this invested. So she doesn't, you do. I do. Yes. But she's going to reap the benefits. Yeah. We set up kids with bank accounts and even in trust investment accounts for them to get to understand how compounded growth works and the difference between capital gains and interest income and dividend income. And that really shapes a youth in, into some good financial habits, yeah, right? And that's invaluable. Well, because it's a dangerous slope. If you don't start off right, think about going down a ski hill. Understanding credit. Yeah. It's like if you're at the top of the ski hill and they say, just do whatever you want to go down. Halfway through, we're going to we're gonna set you up with a professional and you'll, you'll be fine from there. Well, it's too late. You're going to roll down that hill. You're going to roll right past that professional right down to the bottom of the hill. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, listen, let's take a quick break. And uh, when we come back, I want to talk about PR. Pretty rad. Pretty rad. We'll be right back. Your financial future should be in the hands of someone you know and trust. So why should you have to read a name tag to know who your advisor is? We don't even wear name tags. Hashtag call Renee, certified financial planner of St. Cyran Associates. Welcome back. We're going to talk about pretty rad shit right now. Nice. Yeah, PR. Public relations for small business. Did you know there was such a thing? Um, no. Most companies don't. I, I would say maybe 10% of small businesses do PR or that that consciously do PR. There's more that do PR. They just don't realize it. We consciously do it. I just didn't know there was a service out there for small businesses. Oh yeah, for sure. And uh, I have to stress this because PR and advertising are not the same thing at all. Why don't you explain? Yeah. So like paid advertisements are a way for a company to represent itself, uh, like ads on Instagram, ads on television, in the newspaper, whatever. 
But a PR campaign creates an unpaid organic contact between a business and its audience to build the brand awareness, right? Uh, Like sending a blogger a product. So if you own a store, you know, I own a t-shirt company and there is a a guy who blogs about t-shirts. He loves t-shirts and I send him one t-shirt. It might cost me, yes, cost me my product, but I send it to him and then he blogs. He likes it. I don't ask him to do anything. I just send it to him. And then he says, wow, this is the comfiest shirt I ever wore. And then he gets on his computer and he blogs about it. And now all of a sudden that PR, that public relations just went out to the world saying, hey, everyone, look at this t-shirt. That's what PR is. It's just bringing brand awareness through channels that are not paid advertisements, right? Mm-hmm. So that, that's where the big difference is. And, and good PR takes time, uh, but it helps define your brand, right? So one of the things you need to answer for yourself is, why are we doing what we do and why should people care? And that is your PR strategy right there, right? If you can figure out why people should care what you're doing, then you can give them those answers and you don't have to pay for those answers. You can go to media outlets, which are great for PR. Uh, media outlets, really, like the your local newspaper, they fucking love small business. And I'll tell you why, because a reporter who goes to a small business you know, you have to find your hook. Like, why Why are they going to come in? You're not just going to say, hey, come do an article about my my business. But it could be as simple as if you're starting a business, you, you call the newspaper, hey, I'm starting a new business. Please, you know, we'd love you to come for our grand opening. Or if you're, you remodeled your place. Hey, everyone, remodeled. We have uh, this and that and the other thing. And now we have washrooms for people off the street to use, whatever. Whatever the case may be, you bring the media outlets there. So the way reporters work are they, they want to come down there and they want a hot story, right? They don't mm-hmm. want to just take your picture, put it in the paper. Nobody likes boring. No. So they want to solve a problem. They want to go in there and be like, hey, we made their lives better as reporters. And to do that, it's like, you know, yes, big companies already have fans and people who like what they're doing and what they're getting, but small businesses have that uniqueness that, and they don't have that narrative attached to them. Right. Um, but giving media outlets a story to work with, there's never going to be a media outlet who bashes you. They're not going to come down. Even if they don't like your product, they're still going to find some goodness in you and they're going to promote it to everyone for free. Uh, like we've talked about before, it's going to be rainbows and unicorns at the end of the day because your picture Always. is going to be in the paper or on TV. And the the big thing about PR is relationship building. With a social media influencer, with the reporter, with a woman in line at the grocery store, all that shit is PR. If you were talking about your business and just giving information away for free, that's PR. There's no better way to build your business than to be talking about it. Well, exactly. And one of the last things I want to touch on is your business. Because when we started doing marketing for you, I I said, we should do a hashtag. You live in a small town, we should do a hashtag. And you were like, eh, no one really uses hashtags around here. And I said, I know, but they're, they're going to, they might not use it online, but they will start using it somehow, some way. And that has in turn turned into a, I'm sure you can explain it better than I can, but you'll be at the grocery store and someone down at the other end of the aisle, instead of seeing you says, Hey, Renee, they say, Hey, hashtag call Renee. Yeah. That's totally become our brand. It's our thing. It's so, so powerful. So that when we started with the advertising part of things and we did the hashtag, yes, that's part of our advertising strategy that in turn created free PR for you where they're hashtagging with their, with their mouths instead of going online. They're verbalizing it. It's become almost like a uh, slogan. Oh, exactly. It's it's crazy. 
it exploded like we never thought it would. And it's in a good way. It's a lot of fun. Well, one of the stories you told me, which I thought this was the biggest PR moment for me, was you said there was a bunch of like big wig people standing all. It was this conference or whatever. These guys were all standing around. And the one guy said they were started talking about finances. And the one guy says, oh, who do you use? He's like, oh, I hashtag call Renee. And the other guy's like, what the hell's hashtag call Renee? He's like, yeah, you got hashtag call Renee. And the other guy's like, I hashtag call Renee. And then it went around the circle. And then like the f- two guys who didn't hashtag call Renee are now online looking. I got a hashtag call Renee. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the following Monday, both of them became clients because they took me aside at the dinner and said, uh, yeah, like I need to come in and talk to you, which is great because that's what PR is all about. Exactly. So it's, it's, it's free. That's what I can't stress enough. And if you work at it and you create a plan, even though it's just free shit that you're doing, it can work. It could really generate a big buzz for your business when a lot of people ignore it. They're like, I don't need a reporter coming to my store. In the earlier days of our radio campaign of the if use. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. So if you spend more time waiting in line at uh, Tim Hortons than you do on your financial plan, you need to hashtag call Renee, yep. which was really cool because that's where it really took off. And then, so you were speaking of grocery stores. So I was in line uh, at the grocery store and every cash was filled. Yeah. So I'm standing in line. So this lady who worked at the daycare had like a handful of stuff and a, a little bunch of grapes fall from under like her armpit sort of thing. And they just fall and splatter everywhere. Oh, no. So I started helping her. And then this guy that walks by, he says, you need help picking up grapes in line at the grocery store. You need to hashtag call Renee. And everyone was just fucking howling. Like if that's not PR 101. 100%. That's I amazing. Know what is. I know. So, hey, uh, uh, the only advice I'm going to give right now is sit down, use that big melon of yours, that big brain, and fucking figure out some PR. It's easy to do. Google that shit. Call a professional to help you. Doesn't matter what it is. Just figure it out. Start doing PR if you're you're not already doing it. All right. Uh, Let's take a break. And I want to talk about what you're wearing. What are you wearing, Renee? Canadians lose a lot of sleep in the hands of the wrong advisor. That's why we keep our clients informed with our transparent and holistic planning approach. No need to invest in sleep aids. Hashtag call Renee, certified financial planner of St. Cyran Associates. So I know we left with me sounding seductive, which actually doesn't sound seductive at all. I'm really you're not like a, you're a nerdy seducer. Exactly. Did I do that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to talk about something that, uh, you know, I, people can't see us right now, but you are in and you'll disagree and which is ridiculous, but you are in phenomenal shape. You have been since we met. I disagree. Many, many years ago, you used to be a bodybuilder. You're still very, very fit, and I know you disagree. Thank you. But I'm on the opposite end of the scale, and I know many times when I, long ago, when I used to buy clothes, I used to always try to just dress like with really baggy clothes. I wanted to hide the little bit of fat I had, and I was very self-conscious of it. So I kind of want to talk about that today because you dress really well. Well, thank you. And there are things in your style that I try to copy. And the one thing you've taught me is dress for your body. Absolutely. And I remember this religiously because, like I said, I used to wear baggy clothes and you would say. You look like you were in a fucking dress. I know. Well, you say I look fatter than I am. Exactly. And I know we're preaching to the choir here because everyone's trying to always look their best. It's the way society works. Mm -hmm. That's okay. It is okay. As long as we're not superficial. No. And this goes, I think, towards men and women. And it's like my own wife's been guilty at that where. 
she'll try something on and she's like, I think I'm going to try on the large. You know what Meg says all the time? I think she learned this from her mom or her grandmother is you look good, you feel good, you do good. And people like me. Yeah. (laughs) That's from Saturday Night Live. I just stole that. (laughs) No, but look good, feel good, do good. Well, exactly. I find I'm more productive when I feel sexy, when I feel good about myself. Well, my, my main office is out of my home. And oh, so you're the pajama guy. Well, and that's the thing. When I first started my company, I'm like, well, I don't need to get dressed. I'll work till noon. Then I'll have a shower. I'll work out. I'll do whatever it is. But then I felt like I was never being productive. And then, and like nowadays I get up, I shower and I get dressing before I get downstairs. I look good. And when I first started doing that, my kids are like, oh, you have a meeting outside the house today? Like they, they were like, why are y'all dressed up? And I'm like, no, no, I'm just working. It's good. And now it's, it's become a normal thing. Like dad gets dressed up to go to his office downstairs, but it's one of those things where you had taught me not to dress with the baggy clothes. You taught me things like exactly what you just said of look good, feel good. And I remember I even do stupid things like this, which to me are not stupid. I wear shoes. I put my shoes on in my house to go into my office. Yeah, why not? It just makes me feel better, right? And I know a lot of people work from home these days, especially, you know, post-pandemic now. I have a really hard time working in my PJs. Yeah, Like I have to have a rinse off. I have to have my teeth brushed. I have to have a good coffee and some food in me and I have to get dressed like I'm going to see someone. Yeah. And the other thing that I I think is important is to find your own style. So I really liked what you used to like what you wear. And so I did try to copy your style for a while. But then as I put it on my body shape, I was like, this doesn't look good on me. I don't feel good. Twinsies. Yeah. And it was like, I like what you wear, but I don't want to, I don't feel good. And so I started to kind of think outside the box. And I'm like, what is it that I actually do like? My clothier one time, she was, I think she was actually measuring my crotch and, and I'm like, oh my God, this, these pants are like really slim. Like I'm not, this isn't all that comfortable. And she looks up at me and she says, you want to look good? Ain't going to be comfortable. (laughs) So I try to find like the happy medium between that. But it's one, it's a moment I'll never, I'll, I'll never forget. I'm like, this, this like, yeah, I'm a fucking metrosexual. Yeah. It's official. (laughs) Well, I went from trying to be that guy who's like, you know, I would see other advertisers or guys in the film industry who would wear the blazer, wear the nice shoes with jeans. And it was like they had the super nice watch on and all this. And I was like, I want that style. But then when I found I wasn't comfortable in that style, that's when I created my own. And it was like, yeah, I want to wear my Air Jordans. I want to wear jeans. And if I want to wear a fucking hoodie to a meeting, I'm going to wear a hoodie to a meeting. Yeah, now that is the style now. It, it has become the style. Yeah. The pandemic has brought hoodies. I, I feel like casual, I'm a, casual wear is mainstream fashion now. Exactly. And, and it, I feel like it always should have been because it, it shouldn't matter. And that was one of my things that I had that I had struggled with before when I was pulling off those wearing a blazer bullshit. Was that I still like a nice blazer? No, I do, but it was like I felt that if I went into a meeting and if I wasn't wearing a blazer, they didn't believe what I was selling. They didn't, I no matter what kind of marketing strategy I was coming up with, they're like, This guy's wearing a fucking hoodie. Yeah, just don't, just don't like walk in wearing a wife beater or something. I, I, yeah, I definitely wouldn't want to wear like a wife beater and a bandana or something, <laughs> and you know, got my guitar I, strapped to I my back. I w- yeah, peace is peaceful. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't take you seriously either. Yeah. And and that's the thing. I've established myself as a professional in this industry. People respect what I have to say. And if I come in with a hoodie, yes, I still dress nice. I don't wear like a ragged old hoodie. I wear a, a nice looking hoodie, right? If I'm like gonna a wear. hashtag plan with Jack hoodie. Exactly. 
now I'm at that point where it doesn't matter what I'm wearing. I've established myself as a professional. People trust what I have to say. And when I do go into those meetings or I'm on a set or whatever, and I'm wearing a hoodie, people aren't like, oh, that must be the intern, right? They're like, hey, that's the guy. That's the shit right there. You're so young looking. They probably would think you're the intern. I know. I know. I the still college get boy. My wife IDs me at the door. <laughs> yeah. She wants to make sure you're 18 before she has sex with you. That's right. <laughs> Anyways, let's, uh, we're, we're, we're getting way out of there. It's going to, it's going to get dark real fast here. Yes. But seriously, I like that you brought that up and the, and the pandemic really has changed fashion, oh, right? People are dressing a lot differently and like a tie, I I've gotten rid of pretty much all of them yeah. and I kept a few for a rare occasion, but I yeah. mean, it's just so passe now. One thing I would like to see disappear, and I was hoping the the pandemic might help, but it didn't, is Crocs. <laughs> there is no circumstance, except if you're a nurse, I'm with you on that. But Crocs, you can't wear Crocs. That's a Croc. But I see young people, they're wearing Crocs all the time. Like, that's their fashion. They go Crocs out to bars. Crocs with socks. Yeah, and that's, I don't get that's it. That's a pet peeve of mine. I don't get it. I don't get it. I feel like, you know what, head to our Instagram and tell me why Crocs are so fucking good with socks. Say no to Crocs with socks. Yeah. We'll see you next time. Ciao.